Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Coach Dick Kemper, welcome to the Center of the Universe. I really appreciate you joining me. This, this is kind of uh, wild for me because you were my coach when I was uh, 16, 17, 18 years old. You're, you're still one of my players. <laughs> and, you're, and you're still my coach. In fact, my senior year, you, you were my football and my basketball coach. Yeah, that was, uh, that was an experience, but uh, I really enjoyed doing that. I was coaching JV anyway, so um, if you, you can put the time in. And it was just a matter of, you know, working on how you, we could do it. And then um, some of the, ex- the stories we can get into, but um, that was just a great time. Oh, I, I really hated to have to they, – they made me give it up. <laughs> I didn't want to. Um, you know, th- th- that's the beauty of coaching today is, is the relationships. If you can't build the relationships with the players and the parents. Right. I mean, I, I – and when we were coaching back when Tad, the oh, priest, yep. and, and that group and Rand, his brother, when they were on the varsity basketball team, after every home game, we went out to eat at um, the Robin Inn. Mm. And Rob DePriest always said that, he was my offensive coordinator, <laughs> and he would drill me. But we had more fun, oh, and, yeah. and 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 those relationships have continued today. Oh yeah, uh, with them, and um, I, you see those people, and I don't know. It's just a, it, it's all about relationships, and you gotta, and the and the kids have to know that you care right. about them, right. not just as a player. You care about their life and uh, what they're doing in school and the other things they're involved in. And if you can get that, they'll give you everything they have. Oh, so, oh yes. You know? and, and the biggest thing I think about is, is I always had the mindset that I can't screw this up. <laughs> These guys are giving everything they have. i got to make sure that I have them prepared so they can go and play. So, um, and I'll, I'll start this off because this is the story. Back in 64, I was teaching in Alexandria, and my dad had gone to St. Chris. So he was a boarder in St. Chris. Um, In fact, I got his his English book, and in the back of his English book, he's got the the points that he scored in each game. Oh, right. (laughs) He he had all the statistics (laughs) in the back of the English book. But he was there for four years. Mm. at St. Chris from 22 to 26 and great athlete tremendous athlete uh, great baseball player had an opportunity he had an opportunity to go to the pros wow and my dad my grandfather was a controller of the Southern Railroad okay so he shipped him off to Cincinnati to work in the yard railroad yard so they they couldn't find him in order to sign him to play baseball really yeah why didn't your grandfather want him to play? He just didn't think that was a uh, a, a great profession. Yeah, they were, there was know, more the time. baseball, less money yeah. back then for sure. Uh, I don't think the money was into it. He just didn't think you, know, you played sports, that was it. Uh, you know, you don't have to play it anymore. Right. Do, do something else, become involved in something else. And um, great stories. But in 64, I was teaching in Alexandria. 
Red Karn, who was at Woodbury for years, mm-hmm. he was my freshman football coach. Oh, wow. And, and then my sophomore year, they split the, the schools. And he went to, to Hammond High School as the head football coach. And then we played against him for a couple of years there. But they took most of the great players from GW and went to Hammond. So we were decimated. Yeah. And we weren't very good. Um, but and then he went to Woodbury after that and became a legend up there and, and what he did. But coming down to – I had sent letters. I graduated from college in January. So I was I – was, I started off – in uh, 64 as a substitute teacher. And I was a substitute teacher at Wakefield High School in Arlington. And I worked every day because the coaches, <laughs> they would take a day off to go look at film and I would be the teacher. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I was working. And then I got, I got a job teaching uh, eighth grade in March in Alexandria and called Jefferson Annex. Uh, and I was the third teacher that these kids had had that year. So coming in in March and then that's, trying to take tough. them to India, that was really tough. And I had one group of, of, of students who, they were in there because they made them go to school. Mm. They didn't want to study history or anything else. So I went to the teacher, I went to the principal and I said, look, this is at risk. They're sitting in class, they're not doing anything. Let me, let me start a curriculum where I teach them how to balance a checkbook, how to open a bank account, how to get the help from the, the um, health department and bring people in and work with them so that they become useful citizens. Yeah. Look, teach them how to be adults. Yeah. And they went for it and those kids were on fire. They loved it. Yeah. Because you were teaching them things they could use Yeah, and they could use and how to, how to apply for a job and interview skills and things of that nature. So I think back on that and, and look at where we are today. We need to start doing that yeah. a little bit more. We're still not doing that nearly as much no. as we sh- should be. No. Well, and, let, let's back up, Coach. Okay. Where'd you grow up? Grew up in Alexandria. Really? And, yeah. and, and back then, I imagine it was very different than it is now. Oh, yeah. It was small community. You know, we <laughs> grew up in the 40s and the 50s. So you went out. Early in the morning, you, you didn't have tele. We got television what in '56 or something like that. Um, three channels, you know. You, we became the person. We were the remote. <laughs> right. I, I was the remote when I was a kid too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> and then we went out and played. Sure. So whatever we had a field behind our house that had a basketball court. So had a, <laughs> we made a baseball diamond. And we we and the field was long enough to where you could play football. So we, you know, whatever the season was, we played. You had the, all three sports and, right and there. And we were there in the morning, and then we would go to, probably went to somebody's house for lunch, and then we'd get a call to get back home. And it was you know the old thing was if the street light comes on, you better be on your way home. That's right. And you rode your bike, and and it was it was a great. And we played on the. Um, Playgrounds. Um, you know, we went to Mari School in, in uh, Alexandria Elementary, and they had a basketball court, and we'd go up there and play. And we'd play other teams from other uh, uh, recreation department. Plays. It was just a different type of life. Oh, but, but, it you, was, but you it, loved it, too. Oh, yeah, we did. 
We did. And so that was that was really great. And then in 64, when I was teaching there, I had applied all over the state. And I said, well, my dad had gone to St. Chris. I want to apply to St. Chris. So I'd send a letter to them. Well, I got a call. And that was when Dr. Bug was just finishing up and Warren Elmer was coming in as the next head of school. So I got a call in June to come down and interview for the job. In 64. In 64. So I, I came down. We drove down. My wife sat out in the car. And I walked in, and it was Mike Brenzer. I'll do some names, but yeah, yeah. Mike Brenzer, uh, Jim Haynes was the head of the law school, um, Dr. Bug, who was going out, uh, Warren Elmer, um, and there was one, uh, Jim Haynes, there was one other person in there. So we were sitting in there, and the first question they asked me was, what's your philosophy of education? It's a pretty big question. That was a great question. <laughs> Don't know what came in my mind. But I, 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 it came out, and I said, there's more to learning than what's in a textbook. Absolutely right. And I, to this day, that thought just came in my mind, and that's what I said. I went out to the car, and I said, we can forget about this job, because I just blew that interview. <laughs> no, that's a brilliant answer. But they, they called up the next day, and um, so that started the career yeah. um, there. And it was great. But And we were you teaching time. right away? I, I taught. Yeah, when I first got there, I was teaching seventh grade uh, English history and world geography. Okay, six and seven, uh, six and seventh grade in middle school. And the, and the current middle school building was the building back then, or the middle school building was where the bookstore is now. Mm-hmm. Um, they it went that way. It went, what is that? Uh, that's it went south from there. Okay, it, it was a it, it was towards St. Catharines that direction. Yes, yeah. And um, so it was still the same type of building that the bookstore and the uh, alumni hall mm, were. Right. Alumni hall was really the senior cottage. Right. And they moved that there and made it the alumni hall. So and it, and it Jack Bowling was, uh, Mr. Bowling was, he was teaching in one class. I was in the middle. George McVeigh was in in the other room. What a crew. And then, and then <laughs> the, the petitions between the rooms didn't go all the way to the ceiling. So I'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, things would be thrown from one <laughs> back across. And then Mr. Bowling, you know, he, he loved his, uh, his, his, his shirts, and he had the, the, the monogram on the sleeve and right. so on. And, and, and George McVeigh would go out and go down and take a – a squirt gun with invincible ink in it and squirt it all over his new shirts or whatever. So it, it was a running battle, but it was a fun time. I, I think the kids learned something. I'm not sure. But, but we were there. In a story that I think is really important, when we were there, all the new students in the law school, Roy Brinkley was there, and he was the baseball coach, and he coached like the lower-level football but everybody had to, to memorize the school song and the school prayer. And, and, and I, you know, I can remember I was doing the same thing because I, I was new. I didn't know it. And if the kids had to know it, I needed to know it. Right. And so just stories like that uh, and starting a career uh, there. And, and I taught for a good long while, and then it evolved in. I was, doing, I was teaching, but I was also doing... Um, I was I was doing the phys ed program 
for sixth and seventh grade, and then you know it evolved in that they wanted to start one in the law school. And we would go, <laughs> so we started one, and they asked me to do it. So I was. Did you have a gym back then? You didn't we have. We did a gym. not have yeah. a gym. So what we did is they had a blacktop on the back of the when they built the new on on the west side, right, up uh, uh, St. Christopher's Road. They built a a primary school uh, building, and the lower school was where the middle school is now. Oh, okay. And so when we did PE, I would have all the third and fourth graders together. So I'd have to do group games or whatever with them in order to try to do something. And then it evolved into the, we built the, the lower school gym and what do we need in that? And, and, and we ended up with, we needed at least three basketball courts going uh, north-south and then one court going east-west so that the eighth grade or the yeah the eighth grade yeah, the team bull, the bulldogs yeah. would have a place to practice. That's where we Cause, practice because yeah. we were in the old gym at that time, and it was you had the JV in the ninth in the ninth grade trying to practice, and George McVeigh was <laughs> doing the JV. I was doing the ninth grade, and we would have a half court mm. in that building, but some, but it but it worked out. But in, and then I said I would take that job. Until they got somebody who was really qualified to do it, so we 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 started the program, and the whole way of starting that program was, okay, these kids are going to have to play sports in the upper school, so we're going to break down the skills that they need to learn and by grade in order to be ready to play when they got into the. the um, in middle school and then eighth grade because the eighth grade it started with eighth grade it didn't start yeah because seventh graders didn't play back they then. didn't play then yeah and that that was the epiphany of the of the whole program and then that then uh, athletics became full time for you right yeah yeah I, I did that yeah I never went back to the classroom yeah because when you were my coach when I got there in eighth grade I think I, mm-hmm. I knew who you were because you were the varsity football coach but I I didn't have any interactions with you until I started playing uh, JV and varsity right and that that was the beauty of it because working in the law school I got to see players a lot of them started in kindergarten and right. went all the way through so I, I saw them as small you know energetic then in middle school and then coaching them in the upper school it was a, really a great experience um, I hope for them, but it was a great experience for me anyway to get to know them. You you played football, basketball, and baseball growing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was your favorite out of the three? I I really liked I I liked basketball. Um, I wasn't great in basketball. I mean, it, it, it it's hard to believe, but we we didn't have we had a pretty good basketball team. We had a, a coach named um, Steve Osasek who went to, played football and basketball at Virginia. Uh, really great. Great guy taught me an awful lot, not just um, sports wise, but just he kind of took me under his wing, uh, and so I, I liked them all. I really did. I I, I loved baseball, but I, I had a hard time hitting the curveball. It's it's a hard thing to hit. <laughs> it's a hard thing to hit. <laughs> and, um, but and I was a catcher. And I played wherever they need me. I, I was a catcher for a long time. Played third base. It was um, and uh, ended up in the outfield sometimes. 
It, it probably put me in right field because I couldn't catch the ball, I guess, or th- throw it very well. <laughs> That's what they usually do. <laughs> Whoever can't is the worst of the players. They put him in right field. But had had a great experience doing that and, and playing because that's the way you grew up. You grew up playing all three sports. I'm guessing you played point guard in basketball. I did, but I jumped center. Really? Because uh, we weren't. We didn't have. We had one one fellow that was over six foot. He was six foot <laughs> in high school. So we we're going to lose the, t- the tip every time anyway. Right. So the coach made me. Wow! <laughs> I would jump, <laughs> and uh, but just things like that. But I had a really great experience uh, playing in high school. What, what uh, positions you play in football? I was center. Okay. Yeah. Um, loved it because you were right in the middle of the action. Oh yeah. You know everything going on, and it wasn't. You know, you it it's not like it is today where the center is calling out to blocking schemes right, right. and so on. We just had certain plays you played and. Went from there, and then, but just great experience the whole thing. And and I, I was also um, I was <laughs> we were I was in the band, and and um, we had a we had a we had one fellow that was really good before they split the schools. Uh, Bob Garter, who went to uh, Duke, was a great player there. He was in the band too, okay. and we we were in. We were more in the concert band and not the marching band because we played football. Right. But he, for some reason, because of him, our senior year, the last game, we got to march with the marching band for the halftime show <laughs> in our football uniform. You were busy that day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just remember that. And I said it wasn't because of me. It was because of who he was. Right. Um, but just – Good experience, the whole thing. It was just, um, I, I think it, it it went back. If I had to really define who got me started that I wanted to be a teacher and coach, I had a, a, a principal in um, elementary school called Mrs. Beach. She kind of took me under her wing, too. And I would go to school early in the morning and help clean up because mm. they didn't have a janitor. So I... I was in charge of all the blackboard erasers. I had to go out and clean all those <laughs> and wash the boards, empty the trash. Mm. I'd do that before school started. Oh, wow. And, but she, she gave me a foundation of relationships again and how to do that. And, 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 and she kind of took me under her wing uh, with that. Um, so, and work ethic, too, because you were waking up early working. Yeah, I, I love that. I love doing that. Mm. I mean, I I did that when I was in St. Curtis, you know. Uh, it's not somebody else's job. If you're going to build relationships, the first thing I did was I built a relationship with the maintenance department at St. Chris. Right. I would help them. And then in turn, if I needed something, they would. Yeah. They had my back. They would come up there and help whatever we had to do. You had a great relationship with those guys. Oh, we had, we had more fun. Uh, with them, and who, still do. Who drove the basketball team to to away games back in the mid '80s? Coaches did. Oh, no, well, there's there oh, a guy who drove. Um, uh, Alvin. 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 Yes. Yeah. Alvin was one of the nicest people I'd ever met. He was. He was a. He was a. We got him. I mean, he he was driving a gasoline truck. We found out about him, and we brought him on, and he he was there for a long time. He was uh, there the five years I was yeah. there for sure. 
All right, so, let, so let's talk about uh, 83, 84 time frame where you and I overlapped at St. Christopher's. I re- my, one of my first memories was uh, being in Latin class with the seventh grade. I was an eighth grader, but I'd, ne- I'd never taken Latin. And it was a requirement, I think, that yeah, every kid was. take a yeah. certain number of years of Latin. And uh, <laughs> I, I get Bob Blanton. And, and, of course, I called him Mr. Blanton back then, but a lot of people called him Bubba. That uh, came from George McVeigh. Okay, I, I, because that, he had a he, he had a small head and a huge body, <laughs> and so he he became Bubba Peanut is what uh, George McVeigh called him all the time. <laughs> Bob got would get so mad. <laughs> I can see uh, George is pretty gutsy because uh, Bob was a big dude back. He then. was a back dude. He, he was a power lifter. Yeah, uh, he, Olympic, he was Olympic lifter. Yeah, for for seventy two and seventy six. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm in his Latin class, and all the stories I had heard was he had uh, thrown a kid out of the window <laughs> for misbehaving, and the rumor was like wrapping desks around kids when they misbehave. And apparently, and I was talking to uh, Jeff Davila. Jeff was uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago. And he said he was actually in the classroom when one of the kids got thrown out the window. <laughs> he would hold him out of the window yeah. by his their feet. <laughs> when he taught in, in Chamberlain Hall, you might yeah. be on the second floor or something, or the first floor, right. still a long way to the ground, right. and he would do that. But he would take – the story was, and he did it, it, and he'll tell you he did it. But he, he took a, a youngster who was messing around in class, and he used him to wipe the, bat, the blackboard. <laughs> I'd heard that one, too. <laughs> Nobody, nobody really. I guess I was gonna say nobody messed with uh, Bob, but except for maybe George. Yeah, he was great, great coach. He was an awesome teacher too. Oh yeah, yeah, great teacher, still is. Uh, but you know, we came to the point at St. Chris, and this is a Bob Blanton. I'm sorry, this is a, this is a bad a Blanton, Bob Blanton story. Yeah, but we came to the point where I needed someone. And he was the obvious choice. We needed to start a strength and conditioning program because we just needed to get stronger. What year and did that start? I, 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 you know, I'm not sure. That the late year, 70s, maybe? Yeah, late 70s. Yeah. And he didn't want to give up coaching. I said, Bob, this, this, is, this is going to be the future of St. Christopher School. If we're going to get better athletically – we got to have a strength and conditioning coach, and you can do it. Whatever you need, I will work on getting what you need and what you want. I will work on getting that too. So we finally started. We had at that time we only had the first weight room we had. Bob Herzog mm. and I. <laughs> we went down to the junkyard, and we we welded weights and 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 weighed them. So when you went in, it had how much the weight was. Mm. And then the chapel, now at school, half of that chapel was the first weight room. Oh, really? And and that was the south half. The, that mean the east half. The other half was Joe Knox's ampersand storage room for oh, wow. all the sets and costumes and everything. for. Right. But that's how the weight room started. Mm. Then when Robert Pratt was there, right. we got the f- – in the old gym, we had one little room, and we 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 got a universal machine, and so that's how it started. And then Bob started, and we used the hallway of the old gym mm. to lift weights, and so it started that way. And then I said, "I'll make sure I'll get the funding so you can get 
certified as a strength and conditioning coach. He did all of those things, and then he started his own business, um, and and that. And then we once we got the weight room going down where the old wrestling room was next to the training room, right? And we made that our uh, weight room. Then he was doing that there, and then he brought his business in the afternoons there, and now he's got he's got a a place off of um, Patterson Avenue at Pump uh, yep. Total Training. Uh, but it, it's just evolved. He was doing it in a garage in his house with the business, and it kept going. But it was just something that started, and now he's still doing it. Well, he he's attracting people from all over oh, to yes. his gym. He's he's tra- he's training. I mean, he's doing. He, he has done so much for so many. I mean, professional athletes, um, down to the high school kids from the whole metropolitan area. Right. Right. Um, it, it's just a great service, and he's really good at what he does. And um, and he's a very nice person too. I oh, I, I always person. like Bob. Yeah. I mean, I I knew him mostly as a as a teenage boy, but uh, I run into Bob a few times since then, and he's always been uh, super nice. Uh, just um, a, a very intelligent person. Um, he, he was a Latin scholar. He taught it. The kids learned it, and he just got to the he got burned out in the classroom. And that's when we we work work more with it, making him a full time strength coach um, there. So it, it, evolving of things that we did, you know, with um, of trying to make things better at the school. And I think people back then they saw what we did with what we had. So when we asked for things, we would finally get them. Right. You know, and, and the, like they were supposed to do the. The strategic plan at the school that was supposed to be the all the, the the athletic facilities got put off. Right, but then um, it became a priority. Um, they wanted to get them done, and we we just we sat down, we looked at what we had, and the biggest thing when we did the building, the biggest thing we wanted to do was to keep our students on the campus the whole day. We didn't want to have to do what Collegian was doing and what St. Catharines did by buying fields somewhere else and having the kids go. We, we, when they came to school, we wanted them there the whole day on the campus. So we looked at what we had and what we could do um, with it, and that's how we evolved in getting the fields that we needed and the space. By the time I got there in 82, it was ideal. We You had everything you, you ever wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I remember Bob uh, before football practice. I had never been warmed up the way he warmed us up. And, yeah. and you and he committed to a good 20 minutes of warming up. Yes. And it was the best warming up I had ever been exposed to. And from then on, I, I when I did anything athletic, I warmed up the way Bob warmed us up before football. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. When Robert Pratt was playing, um, played for me, uh, well, I was one of the coaches – um, back then when he was there. And we've been friends the whole time and still are. But when he was in the pros, Bob and I trained him. We'd, I'd meet him every morning, and we'd run the perimeter of the Country Club of Virginia. Oh, wow. And then in the afternoons, we'd run again or do sprints. And then he would he would work out with Bob, would do the his um, strength 
for the 13 years he was in the pros. You know, he was an awesome pro, and he played fullback in high school. Yeah. And then he played uh, right or left guard. Well, usually. he went to Carolina. Right, right, right. And he was a fullback his first year at Carolina, and Dooley wanted to move him. Uh, Coach Dooley wanted to move him to uh, the offensive line, and he almost left. Because I imagine he enjoyed playing football. I mean, playing fullback. Oh, he did. Yeah. He loved it. And he was good. And then, and the one thing we did, because when he was coming along, Barty Smith was coming along at Freeman. So they, they played against each other mm. in three sports. Yeah. Football, you know, they competed against each other. And they have, we played them in basketball and baseball. He played baseball. I thought it was a disservice to him if we only played him on offense. So, so I, I played him defensive end. Oh, I bet he was a monster. It, Made when Barty Smith made first team All Metro their senior year as a, an offense, and they put Robert in as the defensive player. Mm. Just the, the relationships we we had and what we did, and then the one thing we tried to do right before we went to training camp is we would try to do the whole. I guess it's eighteen holes at West Hampton. I don't know how many holes it was, but what we would do is we would sprint. We, we, we would try to do the, the fairway, sprint the fairway to the, to, the, to the hole and then jog around the hole and then sprint and do the whole thing. Mm. Um, of course, he was much faster than I was. And so, but we, we, we just had a good time doing it. And, um, and he's, he's done really well. You know, he's got – but it was those, those relationships. Well, I can tell you a story now because – um, when he was a senior, he he won the prize as the the Davenport Trophy, the, right. the, the best athlete in the school. Right. So the story was that what they did, he had a buddy that went to St. Chris, um, two of them, um, Toby Vick, and Toby was a it's a been a, a Commonwealth attorney in in um, Henrico, and so and and then Wingo Knowles. So after the athletic banquet, the story was they took the Davenport trophy and went to the country club and on the course, and they had a little bit of party. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they brought the cup back, everything. They didn't, they didn't ruin the cup or anything, but they, they, were, they were toasting out of the cup. And, and um, so I said, you just had lemonade in that thing, right? And, yeah, right. But that, that story's been – but it, it was a different time. You know, you, you reprimand them, but it wasn't that you – know, you ought to think about doing that, you shouldn't do that, or that type thing. It wasn't that, oh, you did this, you gotta get, you're going to get punished for that or right. whatever. It was just a different – it was a different world, somewhat. Yeah. And, uh, the years I put in it at the school was just it. It, it, it was. It wasn't a job. Oh, you <laughs> seem to have a ball. Oh, we had a, we yeah. had fun. Yeah. You know. All right. Well, let's talk about how my coaches through St. Christopher's uh, and, and your relationships with those guys. So my bulldog football coach was uh, Ackerman. What was your relationship with Ackerman? <laughs> Jim and I we did an awful lot together when he first came. He was he was a he was selling outboard motors in Florida. He went to I think he went to Rollins College in, in Florida. So he was you know, tremendous golfer. Still great he, he golfer was a good right athlete, now. Right? He was he was really good. 
tremendous coach. So when they came in the town, my wife and I called them up and okay, let's have dinner. Let's get acclimated to the to the school and whatever. And I learned a lot from him coaching about how to coach and the way he coached baseball. Small ball, I guess it was, but you know. You get somebody on, you're going to bunt them up around, uh, things like that. He knew the game. He knew the game, and and they were very successful. Um, so, great relationship. He, he he coached one of the younger teams in football, and the kids loved him. And he was he had so much talent. He, you know, he was a tremendous carpenter, mm. and he could build anything, and he could tear things down too. You know, I just remember we had. <laughs> Uh, when we were living on, in a school home on Pepper Avenue, it snowed and Jim had gotten a new chainsaw. So he came over and he, he was practicing. He, he, cut all, he cut the trees down uh, because they were bending over. You know, that's a Jim, you know, when the, when the snow on those pine trees that melts, they're going to come right back up. Nah, I got to take them down. I got to take them down. <laughs> he so, couldn't wait to turn that chainsaw. Oh. <laughs> So it, 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 just a, a, a tremendous teacher, and uh, he had a way of building relationships with uh, I just remember, uh, I don't know, I guess it was the 70s when Jimmy Prophet was mm. at St. Chris, and Jimmy's dad died. And Ack and I kind of took Jimmy on as another, almost a son. Right. And I just, what and... and, and uh, Jimmy Prophet worked with Ack in the summertime when they were going around building homes and or, or, you know decks and doing things of that nature. Right. And uh, he he just taught him a lot of life skills. Just fantastic guy. Well, still uh, is. Jim Ackerman's the reason I played football at St. Christopher's. So he was my homeroom teacher in eighth grade. And he said, "What what are you going to do this fall for sports?" And I said, "I'm I'm going to run cross country." Because I had played public schools the year before that, right. and I was a skinny kid, and I I just gotten. I'd gotten beaten up in seventh grade by these bigger eighth graders, and uh, I, I thought cross country would be the thing for me, and I, and I didn't know what soccer was. And uh, he said, "Nope, you're going to play football." <laughs> like, but coach, I want to run cross country. He goes, "Nope, you're going to play football. You're, you're going to be coming out. Uh, practice starts uh, in a couple of days." And uh, I played all five years there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad he, he uh, convinced me to come out for the football team. Well, that's what it was, you know. And again, he saw something in you, and he wanted to get you involved in something. And that's that's what that's who he was. Yeah. He saw an awful lot in kids that kids didn't see in themselves, and he got them. Uh, they they came confident in in their yeah. abilities, and and they they performed. Yep, there was no doubt. Uh, yeah. My uh, basketball coach in eighth grade, Andy Smith, who's still there. <laughs> He's still there. I, I ran into him a couple uh, right before the pandemic, or right after uh, everything kind of settled down again after the pandemic. Yeah, he's still there. He still yeah. looks the same. Yeah, and he and he's, um, you know, he's an an interesting person in that uh, you know he he was a teacher, then he became middle school principal. Um, he 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 he's done a lot with. Um, uh, 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 what's it? Humanity, uh, mm-hmm. building homes. Right. He's done that. Habitat he's for been, humanity. He's, yeah. Yep. And he's been very, very successful. Um, he, he sang. You know, they had that. I don't remember the, the oh, group yeah. they had with Don Galladay. Oh and, yeah. And, and they they sang. Now he's singing in 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 this church, and he does an awful lot with with the church. And he's back now is um, a teaching senior history. Right. Right. 
just uh, and what, what great coach. He was you know lacrosse coach. He did really well. Well, um, just given a lot of years to the school and. Um, he, he was very good at what he did. He was he was a great teacher. He was a good coach, yep. and he he was a better man. Yep. Yeah. I I uh, I have fond memories of Andy Smith. <laughs> Who coached the eighth grade baseball team? Because Ackerman was coaching varsity baseball back then in the early mid. Did we have an eighth? I guess we did have an. We eighth had a team. Grade. We played on the where the uh, varsity football team practiced for uh, right. two days in the summer. Yeah. Because we had. <laughs> It wasn't much of a baseball field. No, it wasn't. Because <laughs> we we had one down at the far end. East Field was down in that area. That, right. Uh, there was woods back up there going to Maple. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I should know. I played on the team, but I don't remember who the coach was. Anyway, let's skip forward. In uh, ninth grade, JV football. Who who was the coach for JV football now? I, I'm drawing a blank. You were the head coach. It was Don Galladay, wasn't it? Was it uh, Don Galladay? It might have been Don Galladay. I think. Yeah. I don't know. You, you, I should remember. I only went there five years. You were at St. Christopher's a really long time. Yeah, but <clears throat> was it Griffith? Was he the Doug? Day? That's who it was. It was Doug yeah, Griffith. Yeah, and then he came up to varsity as yeah. the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. It was Doug, and uh, yeah, and then uh, basketball. You were my JV basketball coach for a couple of years, uh, and we <laughs> we played inside the the field house, and it was so cold <laughs> some days. <laughs> And then when we got up into the Scott Gym, we we turned the heat up and closed the doors. And the guys were they were ready to pass out. Fun time, you know. Oh, the best. We tried to get those heat. Remember we had those kerosene heater, heaters. Oh yeah, <laughs> it didn't do. It didn't do anything unless you were sitting right on top. You had of to it. be next to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, the stories. Yeah. And then I had Ackerman again. Ackerman coached me in baseball on the varsity baseball team, and that was awesome. And then you were my varsity football coach, and then you then Carl Koenig was my varsity basketball ca- coach my junior year. Yep. Uh, and Carl's no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago. And he, he was a uh, stud at Randolph-Macon College. Yeah, he was, he was really great at Randolph-Macon. And yeah. then he went – he was the first coach at Henrico High School. Oh, really? Yeah. And he had Guy Davis, and he had one other the really good player – and then when he was up at Mount Vernon High School in in all in, um, in Fairfax County, then he got got the job at St. Chris. I guess that was in the sixties, sixty six, because mm. they won the championships in sixty seven, sixty eight prep league championship. I think. Yeah. Won, yeah. And he had all these themes and things he did. You know, bloody, bloody. I think it was bloody February. <laughs> and. Uh, um, but great coach, really good coach. Yeah, I, I have fond memories of Carl. I, there's one game where I had uh, made five shots in a row. I was I was on fire, and then I airballed the free throw. I got I got fouled on the fifth shot. Airballed the free throw. One of the most embarrassing moments I've ever had in my <laughs> life. And Carl pulled me out because he thought something was wrong with me, and he felt my arm. He grabbed my forearm, and apparently it was really cold to the touch. So I think he thought I was sick. So he sat me the rest of the game. <laughs> and I asked him afterwards, he said, Paul, your your arm was really cold. I thought you were sick and you, you just needed to sit down. But he he had a tendency to, um, if somebody made a mistake, he would take them out of the game yeah. or something. And then he would forget about them. <laughs> he did, it, he did so, that to me more than once. <laughs> and I would be sitting on the bench and I'd have the people, the players down there going, psst. 
Tell him to put me back <laughs> <You're> in. <right. laughs> Carry Mark Evans. Yeah, normally so, I play a lot. <laughs> why, why, why have I been sitting so long? He took me over. You know, tell him to put me back in. I said, Carl, you know, you might want to put in so-and-so. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, 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 you know, something else back then, we kind of, or I did, and I think many of the coaches did, um, we kind of listened to what the the players told us. You know, it wasn't just us. Right. Um, it was it was that chemistry that you tried to build. And a lot of times we'd ask them what they thought. And you're getting their buy-in by doing yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I just – a lot of times with, with some of the teams we had, you know, um, I'm thinking about back, basketball <laughs> – excuse me, basketball. And we'd, we'd have to call a timeout. And i say, okay, what do you think? Well, I, I think we need to do this. Or it'd be a I, – I, I remember in, in football, Tad the Priest. An, an incredible athlete. Incredible. Incredible athlete. Great guy. Um, but he he would come out of the game in football, and he'd say, Coach, the guard can't handle me. Because he played nose guard. Yeah, most guards couldn't handle it. And I said, he can't handle me. Put me on him, and I'll get in the back reel every time. So we had a defense we called 50 over, and he would go over to the, to the strong side or the weak side, and he was right. He, and I said, run it, go. Yeah, he was like a uh, dancing bear. He oh. was light on his feet, but yeah. he was a big kid, big strong, kid. naturally strong kid. Yeah. yeah. He was a good – he was an athlete that, you know. Well, he ended up playing – he played football, basketball, and baseball at St. Christopher's, and he played football and baseball at Randolph-Macon. Yeah. Yeah. And if he was a little bit taller, he might have been able to play like uh, Division One football. I think so because yeah. he had the skills to do that. Oh, he definitely had the talent. To and do it. he was a place kicker too. Yeah, no, no, he did everything. Yeah, I mean, I did. I just remember when we beat Fork Union in, uh, I guess it was ninety. Yep, because he was four years yep. behind me. Yep. It, um, His senior year, he he, he caused the fumble with with them. And we covered it, and we drove down. It was late in the game, and I think it was a seven-seven game. And we, he drove down, and then we're gonna kick a field goal, and um, they called timeout to freeze him. And he, he was a straight-on kicker. Right, all right, like uh, Mosley for the Redskins back in the day. Yeah, and he had a foot. Oh yeah. And um, I just remember him, and, and everybody didn't want to say anything to him, you know, whatever, and. I kind of looked at him. He was, ah. yeah. He was he was super relaxed all the yeah. time. And he went in there and he, he kicked it and won it. And I think it was, I think the year before, um, Brad Parrish had died right. in the car Right. And he, I asked him after the game. We were talking. and I said, "What went through your mind when you were getting ready to kick that ball?" He said, "I was talking. I was thinking about Brad." Yeah. Yeah. Probably, and, and probably they, brought him some peace because they had they had a they had a really great relationship. Oh, they were freaking frack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They made each other laugh all the time. Oh, oh. <laughs> he, he he was uh, he, he was a trip, and he, he let you know how he felt about things, you know. And we had, you know, when you think about it, the one thing he he was the, like the cook at a summer a summer camp. Oh yeah, when we ran it. He loved St. Christmas. and he loved and he loved he loved kids. He loved to cook. 
And so we we had this bond. You see, you know, when you get out of school and you get whatever, and you might have your job and what you're going to do in, in life, but we're going to open up a, 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 a hamburger joint in, in Virginia Beach together. <laughs> He'd love that. He would absolutely <laughs> love that. And he would go... I'm just thinking, being a big guy, and it'd be hot, and there wasn't any in the dining hall. There wasn't any air conditioning. He'd go sit in the freezer <laughs> in between lunch periods um, at camp in order to get cool. Yeah, I I, uh, I knew Tad when he was a little baby, mm-hmm. wearing diapers. I grew up about a block and a half from him, and we grew up playing backyard sports together. I I was a lot older. The the neighborhood kids were a lot older than him, but he. He hung in with us, no problem. Well, and he refereed. I think he 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 refereed little league games. Oh yeah, he loved it. He wanted to be around sports yeah. all the time, and he wanted to be around kids all the time. Yeah, and he was hilarious. <laughs> One of the funniest people I have, I've ever known. Yeah, yeah. We we lost him way too early. Oh yeah. Um, he he, he was working with me when it happened. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a very that sad was, time. Whew. That was bad. All right, let me let me. Uh, I'm going to go back to a varsity football moment when I was on your football team. And I'll never forget it, and it was a wonderful lesson for me. We ended the first half against Fork Union at home my senior year, so this is 86. And we scored a touchdown right before time expired. We went up 24 nothing. We had never been up 24 nothing on anybody at any time <laughs> in any game. And Fork Union, was a, they were a competitive team yeah. with us. And we were all kind of, kind of jumping up and down, smiley. And uh, you, you had a, it took you a minute to get us under control and, and to listen to you. And then you, you always had us take a knee. And uh, you, you were mad. <laughs> we were like, why is he mad? We're up 24 nothing. And the point you were making was the game isn't over. Right. People have come back from uh, bigger deficits than this. Get your head back in the game. We still have a lot of football to play. And, right. and everybody's like, we do. We got to be serious about this. And uh, you got our attention for sure. It ain't yeah. over till it's over. It's not. It's not. And uh, we lost a lot of games right at the end of the game. You know? Well, we played a lot of close games. Yeah. But that that was a, a different time. It was – you took what you had and you tried to develop it to the best of your ability to give them a chance to perform and, and hopefully win. But it was more of developing that relationship and developing that chemistry – that everybody, everybody was important, and I just I wanted to make sure there's we had pretty good attendance or you know um, a lot of kids wanted people to come out. You know, yeah. on the roster right, but I, they would come in practice every day. How can we get them in? And that's when we started. You know, everybody got mad because we were taking kids that didn't players that didn't play a lot and put them on special teams. Mm. Yeah, and great. then we didn't put the, the best players on special teams. Say, you need your best players on. I said, well, let's, you know, every fourth down is a possibility of a special team play in right. a game. So let's make sure they know what they're doing and and get them so they have an, an opportunity to to perform and be a part. Because you were developing young men, all of them, not just the kids that were really good at yeah. football. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tried to anyway. I mean, that that was the philosophy. I wanted everybody. If they were going to give time there, I wanted to find a way to to reward them that they if they played. And I, I remember this is a great story. Then when we started, when when I gave up varsity football, we, what year start, was that? Uh, ninety 
1999. Because you'd been a varsity football coach for a long time, right? 28, 28 years yeah. as coach. Um, but when I gave it up, they wanted to start a seventh grade football program. So we did. And they had like 60 people in the class. And like 48 of them came out for, for seventh grade football. And so we lined them up the first day, <laughs> had them count off. And we went to it, so it was like 26 or 27 was the cutoff. I said, okay, you 27 for the first part of the season, you're on offense. And you 27 on defense. And then every time there's a change of possession, a new team is going in. Those kids loved it. Yeah, because they all got to play. They got to play. Yeah. And then we had a couple substitutes, and they knew that every other play, they would go in. So the officials would come over, and it says, how in the world do you keep that straight? I said, I don't. They do. Yeah, they do. They know. And they loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. And then some of the coaches there, they'd say, ah, we got to have, you know, we're not playing our best players. And I said, okay, you take your best players, and toward the end of the the half or the end of the game, if it's a close game and you want to play the best against the best, go ahead and do that, and we'll practice that way. But and and the, they they caught on fire because they were playing and they stayed in the game. And all the, and every single kid was bought in. Yeah, yeah, and they they continued, and it built that continuity, and and it um, they played all the way through high school. So I mean, it had merits, and and, and yeah. we did that with. But I, I don't always. I have a philosophy with that has developed over the years. But I don't think on lower teams, anyone should get cut. I agree. If you can, if you can equip the entire. Yeah, but teach yeah. them. So when we had eighth grade, I was coaching eighth grade um, basketball. So we had an A and a B team. And Tom Franz, I think, at the beginning was the A team until he became the varsity coach. And then we had the the B team and Ace Ellis, who was from Hanover County. Ace, he was the head coach of the eighth grade. And so we had like 13 players. And I said, okay, Ace, you take you, – you, we decide who the top seven or eight are. And that's your team. You give me the bottom half. After we do individual drills and whatever, and we're, we're practicing, you're going to practice against my five. So if you're pressing, my five is breaking the press. If and then we're pressing you or whatever. Right. So we did that, and we'd get in games, and we and we would say we told them you were going to play. And <laughs> I remember a couple of games. He Ace looked at me and he said, "My five are not doing too well. Put yours in." So we put them in, and everybody was going to press us because we had five new players in there. Well, right. they they'd done that in practice. They'd so they beat that a million times. Yeah, and but it again, they knew they wouldn't get a chance to play. So uh, I think that's important. We kind of lose that some uh, somewhat today. Uh, we we lose it at very young ages. Yes. Yeah, like like, uh, like ages so young they. Do, when they were uh, back in my time, weren't even playing sports at those ages. Right. Now they're taking it that seriously. Uh, it's it's a shame because that those lower leagues, as you call them, are, are meant to teach, yeah, and, teach and, all the kids. Well, we have. When you think about it today, we have 
we have, and I'm, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to tip my tongue in a lawsuit. But we, we have gotten kids um, who feel they're entitled. Mm. Because if you play, you get a trophy, uh, you know, which is fine when, when they were mm. doing that. But that's not necessary. That's not why you're playing. Um, the kids would then, rather play than get the trophy, right? And then, but we got a crisis right now in in, in um, athletics, and one is um, is we're losing all the officials. Um, we're losing officials right and left because of the abuse they're taking, yeah, from parents and players, and you know, it's and they they, they got tired of it, and they just say we're not going to do it. And and we have a shortage of officials now. We got to do something to try to change that trend. You're talking about at the high school level? Oh yeah. Wow, yeah. I had no idea. If you notice, this fall we had a lot of games. Some games were it might have been because of COVID, but you had games that were played on t- a Tuesday or a Wednesday in high school because they couldn't get officials. And we've on, had games on, that they on played Friday on, or Saturday. Yeah. yeah, and we've had them where they had to play Thursday within that league because. They couldn't get couldn't get officials and wow. didn't have enough to cover all the games they have to cover. Mm. So before you could just go ahead and reschedule a game, right? Had no problem. Now you got to call the officials association to find out if, if they have enough officials to. So we we need to correct that somehow um, with it. And then this whole, whole bit that they play and they're very successful on when they're younger, and then they're on travel teams and they've been very successful. And then they get to the high school, and the coaches and they're not making it on high school, and the parents are livid. Right. I spent all this get, money on this travel yeah, team stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and and sometimes the reason they were picked is because the parents could pay the money. Right. To be involved in it, they might not have been the best player. That's 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 daddy ball. That's what I call that. Yeah. That and then the whole bit about getting a scholarship. Look at it realistically, and the amount of money that people are putting in. Um, in order to get a partial scholarship, say in baseball, right, right, because they don't they don't have many full scholarships in baseball. It's uh, a quarter. Yeah, it's a couple pitchers, maybe the shortstop and the yeah. catcher. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the whole the whole thing of athletics today has changed. Uh, this this transfer uh, portal that they have now in college. If, if you don't like, you're not playing. Uh, I'm going in the port. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, it's an easy button for the, easy. these guys. Yeah, and, uh, you're trying to bring players in, and then you also got coaches that are looking at the transfer portal to see if there's somebody there can come in. So it, it it's really it, it's crazy. Continuity matters, and continuity builds better teams over time. Yeah. And so if you've got four or five kids coming in on a basketball team, three or four kids. And they play all four years. They're going to be really good by their fourth year. Yes, they should. Yeah, and most of them will be. But I, I think the biggest thing now is, if I'm not because of the entitlement that I've had, whether it's through travel ball or whatever it might be, when I get to college, it's a different scene, and all of a sudden I'm not doing as well as I thought. It's a much bigger pond. And you know they're not giving me a chance, and so I'm going to transfer. Right. And and you get more and more of that, uh, yeah. and and some of it is competition. You either <laughs> the competition will make you better, right? And if you stay, you got a chance to play because 
entries are there, and whether it's in, in a, I mean, I just think it, they, they talk about the injuries in football. I'd see the injuries in basketball. Sure. The lower leg injuries and, um, uh, and, and, and things of that nature. So it's distorted from the way we were growing when oh, it's I com- first started. It's completely know. different. It's All right, totally. Coach, Coach, let's go back to when you uh, were varsity football coach. What is your fondest memory as a varsity football coach at St. Christopher? And I'm asking the question for an on-the-field sort of thing, but it can be off the field too. Uh, that's hard for me because, <laughs> I mean, I, I think about – in the early years, the players we had and, and the relationships I had with like with Robert, uh, his dad uh, couldn't – I went to his senior day at, at uh, North Carolina because his dad couldn't come. He was out of the country or something and couldn't get back in in time. Uh, that was – that. I think the just the relationships with the different ones, but game-wise um, – the first year Eddie George was at yeah. <laughs> Fork Union. When he was playing and, actual high school football, not post-grad. Right. And, and his junior year, we shut him down. And he was a man on the field. He was a man. But he came back his senior year chiseled. Mm. And he, he had gone up into the um, uh, uh, Cascade Mountains or something. I had a personal trainer. And, I mean, he was a, a beast when he came mm. back in. And he he beat us uh, pretty soundly um, that senior year. And I just remember, I think it was McGuire. I know it was Jack Boyd, McGuire's brother. Jack hit him in the end zone. Or he was coming across the end zone. Right before he went in the end zone, Jack came in and hit him. And he came back out of the game and he said, that was like hitting a mountain. <laughs> I mean, he was a man. He, he was um, a big, he muscular guy. He, he was really, really good. And then... So I think that when we beat him that in his junior year, and they kept running that sweep, and we cut cut, cut it off. Um, and yeah, he's a, he was a Hall of Fame running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fork Union put in the paper when he came back. He had graduated, and he he was playing on the peak post. I mean, on the prep team, and I I called him up and I said, you know, he's graduated. He's not eligible. And no, we were told he's eligible. I said, he's not eligible. He won't be eligible in the league, and you don't need him to beat us <laughs> right. you know, on that, on that Saturday um, when we played him. But if you play him, you're jeopardizing the whole team because I'm going to tell you Monday when the league meets, they're going to declare him ineligible, Right. which they did. Yeah. And he left the next day and went to Ohio State. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because he's already graduated. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he, he, he so he went and it's a, he might have, he might have stayed a, a week, but uh, he he left from that. So he but, never played on the post grad team. No, he could have. Yeah, he certainly could have. Yeah, that's what the, that program was for. Yeah, and yeah. he could have left. You know, he could have gone from there to that, but I think he he went on the Ohio State to get ready. Well, he was ready to play college football at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, was, he was a man. All right, what about basketball? Your One of your fondest memories from basketball. I, I think when we when we won the Prep League um, tournament championship at home uh, and beat Trinity. Uh, what year was they, that? Was that 86? 86. 
It was Rand's senior year. Yeah, it was right after I graduated. Yeah. They got better after I graduated. <laughs> uh, they won the prep league that year. The, the tournament. The, the tournament they won. Wow. We, we 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 lost. We came in second in the league to to um, Trinity. Okay. And they had a really really good team and um, and we we just played really well in the in the tournament and uh, beat crowd that last night and I think Rand. He only scored three points, and oh, oh, he may score two points. It was the end of the game, and he hit two free throws to win the win the game. So that was that was kind of special with that group. Yeah, that was eighty eight. Yeah, eighty eight. It was eighty seven, eighty eight season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cole Durrell was on that team. Yes. Uh, who else was on that well, team? Well, you had uh, Darty, Paul Darty, Paul Darty. Yep. You had Alan uh, Alan Wagner. Is that no? Alan Wright. Alan Wright. Yep. Um, and when we played them, we were we were using a lot of coach can't think of his name Coach Johns. Mm. They went to upper school. Yep. We we had put in um, we were using a lot of uh, North Carolina's principles for defense. We didn't play zone, but we it looked like we were playing zone, and it right. looked like we were playing matchup, but we weren't. And it it was the idea that if you were one one pass away, you would. Overguarding the guy, right. you two passes away, you had one foot in the paint yep. and one foot behind, and and we did those things. And I can remember in, in that game, Allen uh, got in foul trouble, and somebody else in the fourth quarter, and they came out and again listened to the players that we would have taken them out of the game. He said, "Coach, don't take me out. I'm not going to foul. I know what I was doing wrong." I said, "Okay," and. He didn't, and and Paul Darty hit a three in the corner, and Paul could and, shoot. Oh, he could shoot the ball. That was the first year the three point line uh, was part of high school basketball. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I think that was a, 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 a um, that was a really uh, a fun game, and um, we to win that for the first time. I mean, we had won the prep league championships in the '60s with Carl Koenig as the coach, but we never won the the tournament. So it was the first time uh, being able to do that, so I, I think that was a, a high point. My two years playing varsity basketball, we lost in the first round. I think somebody beat us pretty handily, and then my senior year, we beat Trinity. Yeah, and I. We were so happy to just win the first round because we weren't used to uh, winning the whole thing. Once, I just so yeah, that was uh, the most exciting basketball game I'd ever been a part of. Right, because it came down to the wire and yeah, I mean that that's what it's all about. And and the kids had a chance to to really celebrate. And I can remember remember Jimmy Jones that mm-hmm. worked in the yeah, yeah. dining hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jimmy was at that game, and I got a picture. After the, that basketball game, Jimmy's there hugging me <laughs> on the court, <laughs> and, and uh, just he he was a he was a great great guy. I mean, he, oh yeah, he was he, nice he, nice as he could be. We, yeah. we would we would do with him. We'd be out two a days in practice, and he'd be walking across because he lived behind the post office on Patterson Avenue, right? And he'd be walking across the field when we would go into the dining hall because we ate. Um, we had meal after the after the morning practice, and he'd come in. He'd we call and he would steal the football. We'd have the football lined up for what we were going to do. He'd take it he and did, start. He running. did that when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> he'd run off the field, <laughs> and uh, 
And then he'd say, hey, I need a shirt. And he would say, I need a shirt. I said, what kind of shirt do you need? I need a football shirt. A football <laughs> shirt. What kind? I need a Dallas Cowboy or a Cowboy <laughs> shirt or whatever. <laughs> but it was always that. It would be something he would need, you know. He always was happy, though. Oh, a happy guy. Always happy. And he just died two years ago, I guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He lived a long, much longer. Yeah. He lived life. a really long life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just a good guy. One of my fondest memories, my senior year, playing football. Somehow you knew Burt Jones or, or Robert Pratt knew oh, Burt yeah, Jones. We had a camp. And I got to I got to spend some one on one time with Bart Jones. I couldn't believe it because I remember watching him as a little kid playing yeah. for the Colts. Yeah, that that I, it was awesome. Met right there next to the training room. Yeah, yeah. But that was that that wasn't the year that they. Um, no, that wasn't the, the year that they had the, um, the strike, was it? Uh, it was the fall of '86. It might have been the same yeah, year. That, it was the year. Uh, Robert might have been helping us. Was he helping Robert, his Robert, he had just retired. It was his yeah. first year. Yeah. Uh, and he was after, helping his coach. After playing, yeah. Well, we had a football camp back that Robert wanted to start. And we and we brought in when he was still at the uh, Colts. And Bert Jones came in and he did the quarterbacks. And they had um, Robert. We had Joe Ehrman, who, who has done a lot with inside-outside coaching. Uh, now, uh, he was there. Um, uh, White, um, uh, I, I can't remember them all, but th- they were the clinicians at the camp, and we had more fun. And then <laughs> when it was over, um, I can't remember the trainer's name, but he was there with them, and he and and he ended up coaching one year at the um, in, in New Orleans as a head coach. Mm. But he would make them run after after camp was over, and it was hot. And we would run from from St. Chris School, go up St. Chris Road to Three Chop, and then take um, that over to Grove Avenue, come down Grove Avenue, and 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 we got to. And Robert was living in the Chalet Apartments on Patterson and Maple, and um, we'd come down, and we were going to run up and go around St. Mary's and come back down. Right. We got down there. It was a bank there. And we got there, and it was hot. And these people, these monster big guys, and they're running down the road, and these people stopping, looking at them. Like, what and we world? got we got there, and the bank, the temperature on the bank's at 103. Mm. And they said, that's it. And they, they went to Robert's house because <laughs> the beverages were a lot colder <laughs> yeah. there than what was out there. But I don't I always remember that. Uh, but that they came in for three years we did it. Yeah. And, um, it and was, we could never, you know, the public schools wouldn't send their players because they thought we were trying to recruit them. I said, I'm not trying to recruit right, them. We, yeah. We're just trying to get these kids to learn some of the techniques that they need to have. And we'd, we'd lift with them in the weight room. Yeah, we have pros here. Yeah. Why wouldn't you come talk to the pros? <laughs> yeah, I remember there was – Bert was in the weight room lifting with the, the dumbbells. <laughs> and he heard he, he had a bad shoulder or something, and, and he tweaked it or something. He threw that thing halfway across the room <laughs> down in there. And I mean, it was hot. I mean, really hot. But, uh, but that was just a good time. And, and those guys, so and Robert, and Robert still sees Burt Jones all the time. Oh, really? They go hunting all the time. Oh, that's cool. Um, Robert, Robert still lives here. Yeah, yeah. He, he runs Sycamore 
Creek yeah. Golf Course. Yeah. He's yeah. been there forever. Ever. I mean, he he developed that that one. Do you do you remember the uh, game we beat Collegiate at Collegiate, and then uh, Bill's Barbecue, Bill Richardson's dad fed the entire team plus family members. Yeah, he was so excited that we beat Collegiate <laughs> that day. Yeah, I remember this. Were you with us that when we played Landon? Did mm-hmm. we play Richardson's dad? We were we were playing Landon, and Tommy Slater was the quarterback. I might have been on that team. Okay. And we had a we we had the football. We used the Wilson football, and it didn't have any stripes on it. And the officials up there would not. Was it a regular season game, or was it like a scrimmage? It was a regular season game. Yeah. And the and they would not let us use the the ball. Did Tom start his sophomore year at quarterback? I know he pl- he started his junior senior, year. His junior and senior, I think. Yeah, because Richardson was a two years ahead of me. Tom was a year ahead of yeah. me. And then, yeah. Yeah. And so Mr. Richardson went to the. I said, I said, "Will you go get me some spray paint?" So he he goes in Bethesda, Maryland, somewhere, and finds it, and comes up there, and we taped and sprayed the uh, stripes on it so Tommy could use the ball we had, and we beat him, and we we used a, a divide pass four four wide, and we'd sent two down the middle, and Tommy would read the safety. And if the safety went this way, he threw it to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we scored twice on that. Tom uh, had a that, cannon. He had a, he had a really strong arm. Yeah, he did. He yeah. could really throw the ball. Yeah. A lot of memories. Uh, been lucky. Lucky, really, to have it. Uh, and I, I just remember, you know, I was talking about Coach Ostasek. And I, I worked for Coach Ostasek uh, in 64 or 63 I was helping him. Um, we ran swimming pools. He he ran swimming pools, and we were at that time. You didn't have a pool service, and you had to use the muriatic acid to clean the pool and right. get it ready. So we were doing that. It must have been getting it ready for Memorial Day opening. I don't know how hot it was. And he said, "Hey, afterwards, let's go get a beer." I said, "Okay, coach." And um, we were teaching in in in, uh, in Alexandria at the time, so we take off, and the pool was in Arlington, and we go out through Fairfax County, and we go way out. I mean, way, way away from it. We passed maybe ten places that were cl- the closest, and we got there, and I said, Coach, gotta ask you a question. We went by. I don't know how many places we could have gone in and, and gotten a beer and left, and he said. And he had broken his elbow playing at Virginia, so mm. he hit, and he couldn't straighten his arm. Mm. And he pointed his finger at me and he said, "Let me tell you something. You don't socialize in the area where you work." Mm. So it's a good lesson, and I never forgot it. That's a good lesson. It was a great lesson. Yeah, but it was things like that. And he played, he played poker every Friday night with a, a group. And then we had a lot – a lot of times we had in, in high school. He was my high school basketball coach. And we would have games on Saturday. We'd play Episcopal on Saturday, whatever. And he, we'd be in the locker room, and he'd be coming in from all night out. And he'd, he'd come over to me, and he said – he'd give me all the money he won that night. And he said, watch it. I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> I mean, things you remember, but, yeah. but he he taught me a, 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 so much about coaching and about people. You know, just been been fortunate. Um, yeah, I I remember 
being on the sideline in football at a game, and I remember looking down because you were you were the man, you were the alpha dog as the head coach. And I remember seeing you, and then I'd see Bob Bland, and I knew Bob had been a, an Olympic weightlifter, and then I saw Robert Pratt. I'm like, how did I end up having these guys be be coaches and, and strength guys? Well, I mean, he this came, is crazy, you know. And, and Robert, one year when they had to strike, he came back to Richmond until the strike was over. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he he came back and he helped coach. That was the '86, yeah. <laughs> and we would be running things, and and he would he was get up behind me and he said, "How in the world have you stood this for so long?" Because nobody, some of them didn't understand, you know. And he was trying to teach them, <laughs> you know, what he had learned in the pros. <laughs> and I said. You just do what you have to do. Yeah. You, know? you got to get them to believe in what they can believe in and, and go from there. A, a lot of fond memories. Oh, yeah. So after you left coaching, you got into uh, – you became an athletic director. Well, I was doing that too. It's oh, you were the time. AD and coach. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize from that. From 1990 – I was assistant AD. I was AD or assistant AD for 38 of the 42 years I was at – uh, at St. Chris. Okay. It was funny. Back then, you wore many hats. When I, I was doing that, I was coaching and running the summer camp. Mm. So I really looked forward to Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the one week I had in between the end of camp and um, the start of football. Right. Mm. You were and busy. Just just to get to the, yeah. And then time started changing. Reverse that hat and get those things done. But it became a t- time you could you couldn't do everything as well as you wanted to do them because you were spread so thin. Right. George McVeigh was the headmaster. Um, it was different, and then you know we had um, I guess Charlie Stillwell Stillwell came in, and 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 so there were different expectations of things and what they wanted. And I said, if you want me to do a better job in one area, you got to take something off the plate in right. order to do that. Yeah. And then we didn't have the personnel to be able to do that. And and so I think that suffered a little bit in getting the continuity in the programs that you needed because I didn't have the time to train the coaches right. to run it. I said, run the fundamentals. These are the things I want you to run, and then we'll go from there. And uh, But it wasn't running the same system um, completely because they didn't understand it, and I didn't have time to – teach him right did you enjoy coaching more or being an ad i like i, I tell you what when I, I when bob herzog retired and i had to make a decision i guess it was in 89 mm-hmm. i had a hard time giving up the law school i didn't know whether i wanted to give it up and become ad or whether i wanted to continue because I, I really enjoyed working with those young kids right that uh, so much and i just said you know i I, th- I think I need to do this, but I wanted to keep my hand in the law school somehow. And because when we were in the law school, one thing I did back then they didn't have aides in the in the in the uh, kindergarten or first grade, and we always had first period off. Uh, we didn't have any um, gym, uh, PE classes right. at first, and so I would go up and and sit in the and it was Polly Wrinkles kindergarten class. And I would take them and do activities with them so she could teach reading. Mm. 
because they wanted to teach reading first in the morning because the kids were fresher and whatever. But I would, and I did that for years. And then when, when um, Polly retired, um, Margaret uh, Sewers, Margaret Hunter Sewers, Margaret Sewers Hunter now, uh, when she came, I continued to do that. And then I, um, once I became AD and I was helping her um, and doing the same thing so she could teach the reading and I could do the activities with the kids, she, she, whatever it was. And then I enjoyed going back and reading to those, to those kids. So that was a tough decision. But I, yeah, because you want to do what it. you enjoy doing, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the current AD at St. Christopher's is Ren O'Farrell, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ren and I uh, played football uh baseball together i'm happy yeah he's the ad yeah and i'm sure he's doing a great job he's doing a good job a really great job he um when he when he came when he was working for his dad uh in business or whatever it was and then we hired him at at saint chris and he worked in the law school Mm. a program and then i he took over summer camp when I finally was able to give that up, he took that over and ran the summer program for a while. And then I would, he he, he got his master's at uh, VCU and he had to do an internship. So he did the internship with us and I gave him to make sure the schedule was right and the times were right and everything. He did all that. So it, it kind of, evolved into helping him um, move forward um, and and then eventually became the ad too so and and that's changed you know before it was a one-man show you didn't have any help now right. he's got an he's got an assistant uh, two assistants and you know so all that's changed uh, because the programs have gotten bigger but it gave him an opportunity to work on that and help me because I I would screw up once in a while and then and, and, and have a team carry Malk. I remember he was going to Nansen and Suffolk to play, and Nansen and Suffolk was bringing their team, and they'd bust his chin on 460 <laughs> past each other, you know, things like that. Uh, he made sure we didn't do that anymore, <laughs> anymore, which was a good thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. So Yeah, you said something about scheduling. I, I, just, I hadn't th- had this thought in a long time. We printed out each season schedules for all the sports, on that little trifold, yeah, thing, yeah, that, those were the neatest things I'd ever seen. Yeah, they when did they stop doing that? It must have been a while ago. I guess when technology came in, yeah, you know. Um, but that was we tried to do that because everybody would have it. That was that was our way of having. We didn't have the internet type, right? And that that gave everybody a, a you could put a it in schedule. your pocket. Yeah, yeah, it was a great yeah. idea. Yeah, uh, that was a Bob Herzog idea. No, I tell you what, he. He was a visionary that taught me a little bit about a visionary, but he's the one that had the ideas for the athletic for the athletic program and the facilities that we needed for it. Um, and, we, and I just took those ideas and tried to bring them to fruition because they couldn't get done. But his idea was you can have the best people in the classroom, but if you don't have an outward appearance that it doesn't look good, you know, and we, we you know, a lot of times it was, <laughs> we used uh, Band-Aids and glue to hold everything together. Right. And it just didn't, he wanted to put brick sidewalks in. He wanted to, uh, you know, he wanted to come out of Chamberlain Hall and put a, 
a building there for a, a, an art center mm. or whatever. So all those ideas, and then uh, revise um, and and bring up to date the athletic facilities. Uh, you know, when when we built the athletic center, the, the Scott Gym was it was good. It just needed to be updated. Right. And basically, we gutted the bottom of that and, and changed the laundry room there because we're going to tear down the old gym and things of that nature. But he had the idea and the vision of what the school should look like physically in order to get people in to find out what jewel they had in the teaching staff within the school. Yeah, our athletic program, we had, I think, 13 sports yeah. when I was there in the mid-'80s, and everything, like kids and parents couldn't have asked for more back then yeah and, 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 and i think about it the one thing i wanted to bring the river experience closer to the school and i had an opportunity through the university of richmond to try to start a rowing team right couldn't get enough kids to do it and um and we started a sailing program oh, wow. which which stopped but we had that for a long time and because a lot of the kids were going to fishing bay Right in the summertime, and they were sailing. Yep, I said, "Well, let's give them an opportunity to do it." But if you use the river, it brought up a you know that different area. And I was trying to get it so the girls at St. Catharines would be a part of that because they were looking for through Title Nine, they were looking for those opportunities in in schools, and um, we just couldn't get that going. But we got the sailing going. They they they've given that up since then, but. We had that going, and um, would the kids go down to Fishing Bay for St. Christopher's sailing, or were they sailing somewhere else? Well, what we did is Swift Creek Reservoir. Mm-hmm. We got permission to have the boats out there, and they would go out there and practice. Then they would go down to Christ Church well, yeah. one day a week. I think and, they're the national sailing champs. Uh, yeah, the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah, and they, they, their rowing team has done really well, and some of the. Beach teams have rowing teams, and Northern Virginia uh, is very popular. So we look at that. Um, but I thought that was another avenue that we needed to do uh, because the river was a natural resource, and if we could do, bring that in, if we had the interest, if we could get the interest, for, we would try to get to schools. Uh, the, the kids, if there was an interest, we'd look at it. We would, didn't want to take them away from a sport they were in. They would have to be released from that sport in order to do the other. Right. But most of the coaches would say if they had an interest in that, let them go and do that because it it, it was another way of expression for them. Right. But you think of that. And it's the same thing we're looking at now within the state association because, um, golly, we, we – you know, we started the state um, Virginia Independent Schools Athletic Association. Yeah, that was that was a, a that was a, a, a idea I had or a dream I had to try to do that. And because we had individual committees that were running these state championships, charging this money, and there was no oversight of anything. So, got a group of heads of school. And ADs in 1997, and we had a meeting in February. Um, it snowed. <laughs> Most of them made it because we never closed school. Right, you know? never. And, and and the people made it to the meeting. Most of them, 
And from there, it was the idea that we would want to bring the horse from the back of the cart to the front of the cart and try to lead the cart a little bit more. Do we need an association? If we do, then how are we going to do it? And we we started that. And um, so I think the first year that we really had it was, it took us uh, 99 and 2000 to set the framework for it all and get the, the people to buy into it because the committees were all, <laughs> they had all this money. I don't know how they did this. They had the money in, 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 in bank accounts and school accounts. And I said, well, when's the last time you did a, a tax return on that money? You don't have to do that. And I said, <laughs> if the RS comes after you, you got to do it. And, and, and so we got this thing started back then, and, and that's been another evolving thing uh, over the years. And um, so it, it, it's gotten so much bigger. It's going strong, right? Uh, it's going pretty strong. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. It's, it's, it's been good. Um, you know, it's getting to the point now that um, I've told them, I said, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> and you all are a little comfortable. But we need to start looking at um, and moving forward. Uh, I've taken it for so long. Maybe need new eyes to look at it. We started the process a couple of years ago. When we started, I was a part-time, but it's not a part-time job. It's a full-time job. I said, you got to decide whether it's part-time or full-time. You got to decide, you know, we don't have an office, which is fine. We have a post office box. Office is my third bedroom of my house. The storage is all over the place in the house. And so all the records and the things we have on that. So we kind of looked at that, and then they kind of said, well, what kind of money are we talking about? And I said, well, if you're going to get a full-time executive director and you're going to have to pay benefits, you're going to have a staff, you're talking pretty big money. And and so we have positioned ourselves into it that I think we can do it with a new executive director and pay what an executive director would, would get in the in the business world somewhat um and so we're going to start that process because in fact if i go three more years i'll be almost 85 you know Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, god willing and nothing happens but um so i think they're going to make that announcement in january uh, that they're going to start the search what are you going to do with your time after they find somebody if we can do it we'd spend more time at the beach Mm. Uh, we're starting to spend more time in the summertime down there and we and we come back because we love living in both places having to find new doctors if we're down there we like the doctors we have even though most of the ones we had were former students <laughs> and athletes who have retired uh, I, I think we do that my philosophy has always been because people ask how, how often do you go back to school i i don't when you leave you leave right if I'm invited back, I go back. But I'm not going to go back there and just hang out. Right. I, that's not me. Um, don't want to do that. I don't know. Maybe I'll take a, a deep breath and just... I'd like to get to the point where I don't have to rake leaves anymore. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. I raked today, and by the time I finished raking, the wind was blowing so much, it blew them all back. Oh, yeah. But I said, if I don't get them up, and we get rain tonight, there's supposed to get rain tonight or whatever so that's gonna be a problem yeah so but uh right on i know you gotta run here in a second yeah uh tell me about your family as we close you know um 
really proud of them. My, my son's um, worked for United Airlines since he got out of college and still is working that. He's at Reagan. And um, just uh, he, he has always loved the airplane industry and he enjoys traveling, which he, he could do a lot more of it than back then. Um, uh, middle daughter Kelly um, she's done really well. She's now um, at MC, MCV, uh, uh, the Fusion Center, mm. uh, running that. And she was at uh, Chippenham for years and ran the ER there. So it really, she's pretty special in what she's doing. Youngest uh, Kristen, um, she's uh, her husband is a career army. He's mm. a full colonel. Been in for thirty some years, um, so they he he's trying to decide whether he's going to stay in now. Uh, he's up. He's at the time. He's tired of moving. I bet. <laughs> you know, but he he um, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, he can get a, a pretty. He's really good at what he does. He's in transport transportation and logistics. Uh, right. And he's done a lot of. He's he's gotten early promotions all the way. Um, he's probably up for what's the next one, lieutenant colonel or if he's a colonel, but, brigadier general is the next one. Yeah, yeah. So don't know. And, you know, a lot of times if if they're going to give you a promotion, they want to send you over to deploy you. You're gonna have to earn it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know if he's ready to do that or wants to do that. Um, five grandchildren, um, really. Any of them here? Two are here, three, um, Kelly's two are here. Uh, Hunter is graduated from Hanover. Okay. Um, the youngest one, Sydney, is a senior at, at Hanover, and was on the. She's on the cheer and dance, and she's. Well, my daughter's a senior at Hanover now. Yeah, is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sydney's, she was captain of the cheerleading team and and all that. So we went to a lot of the Hanover games uh, this year, in the last couple of years. And she's been accepted to Alabama. And, nice. And so what she wants to do, um, it, 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 it's interesting. You know, she looking at it, what they're going to do, what they – her big thing was she wanted to be a nurse or a doctor. Now she's taking a social justice class at Hanover. Mm. She's on fire. Mm. She, she loves it. She wants – now she's talking about becoming a lawyer to work in the social justice field. So – who knows? It has changed, and if she can make the um, cheerleading squad, that's the next thing at, at Alabama. That's what she wants to do. That's big time. Yeah, but she's um, she was on the dance cheer with Fame uh, group that mm. won the they won the world championships. Oh wow! This last year, the first time a team from Richmond has won that. That's awesome. Yeah, and that and and and, and uh, I thought she was going to. Stop last year because they won the championship, and she wanted to go back. But now she's she's gotten off of that, and but she's doing really well. And then Kristen's three, two of them have been. <laughs> the middle child is a a, a policeman in uh, Pinehurst, North Carolina. Okay, and uh, she had, um, I mean, she's done really really well with that. And loves what she's doing, and then. Uh, the the oldest of Kristen's 
and is graduating from Ohio State because they were in Columbus for a long time, so they're big Ohio State fans, which makes us Ohio State fans. Right. But she's now, she graduated from there and then went into their um, physical therapy, master's, Ph.D. program, Mm. and then was doing the internship this past year with, got that at Ohio State, and just got hired uh, full time at at Ohio State in their um, physical at one of the hospital clinics, and I think she'll end up teaching someday uh, physical therapy. And the youngest one is a mechanical engineering junior at um, Ohio State. Just. I don't know where to get the smarts from. They got them from their dad and their mom and their grandmother. They didn't get it from me. But that he's done really, really well. And um, he had an internship with, I don't know, Western House or something because he developed something uh, apart mm. uh, for one of their machines in his class last year, and they accepted it. So they gave him an internship this past summer. That's really cool. Um, so he's done really, really well. That's and great. They, they, they they had played high school sports and so it's been fun watching all of them. Oh yeah, and got the last one leaving high school. So um, and she's done well at Hanover. It's been a good experience for her. Yeah, that's great. It's a good school. Yeah, it's a great school. My kids have had, uh, had a good experience there. Yeah. Well, awesome, uh, Coach. I really appreciate you joining me yeah. here, uh, coming all the way out here to Ashland. Hey, I, I found the place. I'm I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I've got, a, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a, a commitment with the state here. I got to get, get, see if I can get this. I'm gonna have to have my computer on in car so I can get these people on. Well, <laughs> but awesome. thanks for having me. I, it's been good to catch up with you and just be a, a part of this. this is a great thing and to just sit and tell stories because no, it's fun. I mean, it's a lot of stories, and it's hard to compare one team to another team with the question. I was kind of evasive on that question. No, sure, but, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all of them were special. Every team was special. They're all uh, unique, for sure. They, they were, they are, and yeah. some of them are still are. And just go back and see them, and that's one thing with social media. The good thing of social media is being able to stay in touch with former players right. all over the country. Right. And um, so I've been able to do that, and that, that's really I have fun doing that. No, it's and, a lot of fun because yeah. we can t- we can tell a lot of stories. <laughs> tell a real story, you know. Yeah, right. On. Well, coach, thanks so much. I appreciate right. it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com. Thank you.